Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Sideline Sports. I'm Travis. I'm joined here today by Ben and Alex again. Hello, Ben and Alex. Hello. Hi. And later, we're going to talk about a lot of the sports this week. There's been a lot of problems that arise, especially for the Patriots and the Red Sox, but also in MLB as a whole. But first, Ben, would you like to tell us, because in the game against the Rockets, the Celtics played, it was a scrimmage, so it obviously didn't count. But um, it sounded like the backups were going against the Rocket starters for a lot of the game. So, Ben, tell us about how the backups did. Did anyone stand out to you? Was there anyone that we need? Yeah. Well, first of all, the starters didn't play at all in the game. Marcus Smart was not in uniform. He had an orange hoodie on. So, yeah, and they only lost by 15 points, which is the part that I find surprising. You know, they they did well against in days they scored 112 points against well they played mostly against the starters of the rockets james harden obviously went off for 35 but some surprising numbers i found was when carson edwards had 19 points and taco did end up playing and he had 6 Grant Williams had 15, and six of the 10 players who played scored at least 10 points, which, I mean, if you think about that against the starting lineup of the Rockets, that's pretty good. Okay, I have some questions about some certain players that I was kind of wondering about, because so far this year, we haven't got to see these guys play against, like, real NBA talent, really just in the G League and in garbage time. But how did... Um, Robert Williams played because I think that he needs to be he needs to step up and be at least coming off the bench for the Celtics this this off season. I mean, yeah, this off season, not this off season, this postseason, and they're going to need a center like him. So, how did he perform against the starters in the Rockets? Because the Rockets, yeah. he wasn't really matched up against the starting center either, because the Rockets yeah, centers um, are kind of weak. I don't have an exact number for points, but he did score at – he was one of the six players who scored at least 10 points. So I believe he scored around 11, I'm pretty sure. But, Ben, from what you saw, how did you think he did? Was he going up well against P.J. Tucker and the other bigs in the Rockets like Eric Gordon? Well, he got hurt. Well, but... one thing I found was him and Poirier, they weren't really, like, taking advantage of the mismatch. I found that they kind of just passed it a little more than I would have liked. But they they definitely did take advantage of that, and they did get some good shots off. Okay. Um, well, I, don't, I don't know how they do up against, like, Embiid or other centers, but, I mean, Tucker's short, you know. Yeah, but um, another player I was wondering about, who we haven't really seen at all this year, I think we talked about him for maybe, like, one segment on one of our podcasts, but... Romeo Langford, how did he do it during the game? He and Brad want, yeah, Brad Wanamaker, they both had nine points in this game, which is just below 10. Um, so I wouldn't say it was as good as, you know, Edwards and, and the others, but nine points is still nine points. And he had almost one eleventh of the whole points, which is his share. Did he was he more of a facilitator? Because when you come back from the G League, obviously, I think it's a big, um, especially when you're going against a team like the Rockets, who are not a bad team at all. 
I think it's a big step up from the talent he was playing before. Was he more of a facilitator? Was he passing? Was he rebounding? How did you think his um? How do you think he was like not when he had? How do you think he was besides scoring? Is what I'm trying to ask. Well, um, Carson Edwards definitely got more of the offense. He had 19 points versus Linkford's nine. Um, I don't think Linkford got a lot of touches, and he didn't shoot poorly, but he didn't get the ball a lot, so he didn't have as much opportunities to score. Edwards shot three of ten from from three pointers, so he took a lot of shots. So I think Linkford just didn't get as much offensive opportunity. Also, one more thing: Eric Gordon rolled his ankle in the second half. Um, should be okay, but he did have to leave for the rest of the game. All right, Alex, did you have any questions about any of the players? Do you wondering? I don't have any questions. I was very impressed by the Celtics' backward chemistry in this game how well they were distributing the ball. I wasn't that impressed with Tremont Waters' shooting performance. He only shot 3 for 13, which is understandable against the Rockets' backcourt. And I'm I'm very upset with Mike D'Antoni, the Rockets' head coach, for playing hard in 35 minutes in a meaningless game. It is a stupid move. It's very D'Antoni to do. But like he played him 35 minutes, so Harden could score 30 and blow up the Celtics by 25. It wasn't worth it whatsoever. Well, I, I mean, I it, think what makes... Yeah, Travis. Well, I think it's probably – I mean, I can't complain about it. I think it's helpful for the Celtics because when you're playing your starters like D'Antoni was, it gives the Celtics an idea of what they have in the backup roles because people like Brad Wanamaker, who you never know with Kemba's knee. I think he was sitting out um, the preseason games, the exhibition games. So with someone, something like Kemba's knee, you may need a guy like Brad Wanamaker to step up. And I guess now we have a more of an insight on how he plays against – talent that's not like the third line on the of the other team you know yeah um i think in normal games these bench guys are kind of on and off the court they'll play for a few minutes a few minutes there a few minutes here and they don't really get a chance to settle into the game and get going but as we saw here once they get going you know they can put up 112 points against the rockets which if you Combine that with a little bit of this of, of the starters, then the the Celtics could win some games. Ben, it's the bench had a good output because of the sheer amount of minutes they were getting. Any player yeah. will score ten points a game if you play them for thirty minutes. So I don't think it's an accurate representation of what the bench can do, especially since they typically play against other bench units, not against the starters. Yeah. Um. But I think Brad Steven as a coach, I I think I listened to some of the post-game conference, and he's the kind of coach who likes to give the bench guys an opportunity to play. And obviously, Mike D'Antoni isn't that kind of coach, but Brad would give these players time because to him, they're working just as hard as the starters. You know, they're they're working just as hard, but they don't have as much talent. So that's why they're they're not starting. But as we saw here, he will give them time if they're working hard, which they all were. That's why they, yeah. Okay, I want to move on to um, something else now. So, baseball this week. It's only one team, but um, so the Miami Marlins. They had 18 members of their team test positive for the coronavirus 
and I believe that they postponed all of their games until Monday. Um, now that this today, this is actually news familiar today. Some of the Phillies coaching staff they have coronavirus now. That's emerged. So they're starting to postpone games already for the Phillies, right? Till the end of the year. If this trend continues, because chances are this is going to happen to another team, right? And then you're postponing games left and right. And they're running on such a tight schedule right now. What did we say it was? It was um, like 60-something games and like only a couple days more than 60. It's an amount of games. So they don't have that many days off. So they're running on a very tight schedule here. So do you guys think that we could see a, the league shut down because of this? Because right now, it doesn't appear to be working. Oh, yeah. In my mind, the baseball season's over already. I think that the, like the, the Marlins had already played a team and then they went and played other teams. And that's that's how viruses spread, really. And the MLB is not going to be able to contain this because you know, the MLB, I remember Rob Manfred, a professional idiot. So I think that this basically spells doom for the MLB season and maybe it's popularity forever because they really did not capitalize on the seven-day window they had to make the best of it. Ben, what do you think about this? Ben, what do you think about this? They obviously aren't in a bubble, which I think is the way to go. Hockey and basketball are doing that, and they're all totally fine right now. And without a bubble, you know, they're they're on the airplane, they're off the airplane, there's the pilots, there's people managing the airport. There's just so much that could – there's so many opportunities for the virus to be spread. And it's hard to tell who might have the virus and who might not. And they play games like almost every day now. So they're up against so many teams. So I think it was just a matter of time before everyone got it. Yeah, a lot of people got it. that's right what I was thinking. My next question was going to be, would the MLB have succeeded if it was in a bubble, bubble, a bubble city or cities like the like the like the NHL and the NBA are doing? Would they have succeeded then? Do you guys think? I think that personally, I think that that's probably the only way you can get sports done this year. I think that all the leagues should learn from this. Alex, what do you think about the bubbles? I think the NFL is really going to fail this season just because it's impossible quarantine in a bubble like the NBA has and the NHL has just because the sheer amount of people that are on the sideline, right? You got easily 200 people per team and then multiply that over 32 teams. You have to build a small town for the players to live in. And I don't think the NFL players are really up for that. Ben. So I, I, I could really see the NFL season getting chopped and the MLB season honestly is over in my opinion already. Actually, that was the second part of this question, too. We'll get to it in a second. But, Ben, do you think that the MLB would have succeeded if they were in a bubble? Do you think it's even possible they could have done it like Alex said? Well, um, the bubble is only going to work if everyone is quarantined before they get there. If they all just jump in, then it's a waste of time. But if they follow the precautions to get in the bubble, and then they, you know, stay together when they're in the bubble it'll be totally fine and there isn't really a way to get the virus aside from the people who work for the league and who come and go from the bubble but other than that they wouldn't have anything to worry about and everyone could play so you think it would be possible for them to live to to succeed in a bubble oh yeah um the both hockey and basketball are fine so well, so far they're fine. 
so far it seems to be working. But yeah, the second part of the question was, I wrote this on our um, list of things we had to do today, but um, is the will the NFL learn from this? It doesn't mean that they have to just go right into a bubble. Does it mean does it mean that the NFL may have to cancel their season altogether now that they're seeing the effects of baseball? And like Alex said, the rosters on the um, NFL, they're just so much bigger. So that leaves a lot more possibility for the coronavirus to make its way into the NFL and destroy teams like it is the Marlins. Do you guys think the NFL will learn? Because... Alex. No, the NFL is a problem-hungry corporation. I've said this multiple times. They're not trying to run a sports league. They're trying to make the maximum amount of profit. The NFL doesn't really care about their players, and the PA has a lot less leverage than the NBA Player Association does. So I think that this season is going to be really tough. The NFL is going to play through a lot of coronavirus concerns, and you could see a lot of players walking away in November, early December, right where we see playoffs saying, this isn't worth it. I'm not risking my life to play football. I can leave this year's salary on the table. You're right, Alex. The NFL is just not going to learn from what the MLB is struggling with because they never do, it seems like. So um, my prediction is they'll start the season, right? It's going to be going good until week, like, three. And then they're going to realize that, oh, look at the Patriots. They're, not the Patriots, just an example. But the Patriots, their whole team, they have the coronavirus, and the Patriots are playing this team next week, and they played that team. So it's just a big chain effect, especially because there are there are less game. I mean, that's actually it's probably better because there are less games, so there's less teams that a team can infect. But as I said, there's just so many people in each roster. Like you're almost at sixty people if you include the practice squad, I think, and that and that's just too much risk. I think. I think the NFL, if they were smart, what they would do is they would just close down the season. I hate to say it, but I think that the safest thing to do, and as we know, the NFL, they're not concerned with that. But if I'm the NFL commissioner and I'm looking for what's safest for the players and, and um, other people like the media and stuff, I'm looking to close down the season just for this year, at least until we can find like, a cure if that comes like midway through the year. Ben? Yeah. Um, I was I, – I forgot what I was going to say. Well – I think, Travis, you're banking on the hope of a vaccine, right? Uh, I don't know if the vaccine's going to come anytime soon. I think we were talking yesterday uh, at dinner that uh, it would take a really long time to get all the vaccines out. So I'm not banking on a vaccine. I think as of now, the NFL should just close down the season unless there's a vaccine. Yeah, there's a vaccine that's in development at the moment from Moderna that we could see by 2021 released to the public late 2021 but it's not very likely they also have to make 35 billion doses because there's 7 billion people who need two vaccines at least per person and a booster so it's going to be a long time and we could be living with these sports bubbles for a little while you know the nba has already talked about doing a bubble for all of next season which is going to be really hard for them and the nhl and nhl will definitely follow suit i'm not sure what the nfl is going to do i think a lot is banking on this fall season but I think the MLB, if they don't get their act together, they're dead in the water. So, um, you can go, Ben. Yeah. Um. So, this only applies to us, us, us three. But the lab for Moderna is like five miles from our house. Is it? Yeah. But anyways, um, what I was gonna say, <laughs> that's random. But um, what I was gonna say is. Just lost my train of thought because of Ben. Let me think. Um, yes. So with the NFL, do you think we'll see – so right now, so the plan they have in place so far is 
cut the preseason and we're good. I mean, I had they had the illusion like months ago when we were talking about this in some of our first episodes. It seemed like they were full steam ahead. But I thought that was just an illusion they were creating to make people feel like confident and stuff and stuff like that. But it seems like they actually think at this point now that they can just go full steam ahead and actually complete the season. But do you guys think that they'll, because right now they only have the preseason, like I was going to say, but do you guys think they'll, we'll see any more changes, maybe a shorter season, maybe the football game is further apart from each other. So you have more time for testing and see how the results come back. Well, honestly, if I'm the NFL well, like the, the virus, it's going to resurge in the fall and winter with kids going back to school. We know it's going to happen. So I think for the NFL, I'm I'm looking to keep the teams from cross-contaminating, right? Across state lines. Okay. So, Ben, do you so, think that the N- – continue. So, basically, I think what they should do is say – the AFC East and NFC East teams play each other. NFC North, AFC North play each other. AFC West, NFC West, AFC South, NFC South. So you'd only do the East teams or the North teams together so you don't get them that far out of their home markets and their regions. I think that would probably be the most effective way to limit the spread. And because you could say, okay, Team A has coronavirus, let's quarantine everyone else in their division, right? I think that would work a lot better than just doing a free for all and saying anyone can play anybody. Oh, I think that's right. a, I think that's a smart way of going about it. I agree with that. That's sort of like what the NHL is doing, kind of right. They have like these different bubble cities where different teams yeah. are going and competing against each other. Yeah. But Ben, mm-hmm. there's one problem with that, and that's that the AFC East includes the Dolphins, and they're down in Florida, and in Florida, they're having a harder time social distancing. And if that means that they're bringing the cases all the way up to New England and, you know, Buffalo and New York, that could be an issue. Just saying. Well, may- yeah, I, I, I could see the NFL not purely dividing based on divisions, but based on um, regions. Region. So okay. I think, yeah, you might say, okay, Dolphins, they get left in the South and maybe we take – like another North team or like the Colts come back to the AFC is just for a season, right? So okay. you, you'd have less spread. Yeah, I was going to say that too. I was going to say that because some of the divisions may be a bit weaker than others and some teams would have an advantage and they can mix up the skill and they would make it closer together possibly. So there's another big story this week that came out. It happened quite recently. It was the last couple of days. So the NFL players – a lot of them seem to be dropping out. But the team with the most so far, I believe, are the Patriots. And they're not just like the Danny Vitales and Brandon Bolden who have both dropped out of the Patriots. There are players like Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, and Dante Hightower. And those three people, they can make a very big difference in the Patriots' defense because Dante Hightower, last year, he was calling all the plays. For He was the um, one with the green sticker on the back of his helmet that calls all the plays and gets all the plays for the defense. So when you miss a go to guy like Hightower and a great when you miss on a guy like Hightower, that's severely impacting your defense cuz now who's going to call the plays on defense like Jawan Bentley, I think he has like he has the longest time there in the Patriots defense. So or Devin McCourty. Yeah, Devin yeah. McCourty, he's Mac is definitely going to be calling plays this uh, defensive season. Well, you see Belichick 
Belichick, he likes to have his middle linebacker usually as his play caller, but I guess this situation would obviously call for someone else. I guess Devin McCourty would be probably the longest standing one in the defense. But Yeah, I think Bill has a lot of trust in McCourty. And Javon Bentley, this is his sophomore year in the league. Last year he was a rookie. So I don't think you're going to be seeing Javon Bentley home plays for them anytime soon. Yeah. So uh, what was that? Javon Bentley's not a rookie last year, was he? He was a rookie two years ago, I believe. Right? I Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But um, another part of this is um, the blo- the offensive lineman, Marcus Cannon. He's going to be a big piece to this offense this year because now that we lost um, – now that we don't, now we don't have a lot of receivers this year. Like this was the pro- a big problem last year. We don't have our quarterback is always taking a step back with Cam Newton. He can't throw the ball as well as Tom Brady probably could have. We don't have any weapons throwing wise, so we're gonna really need to rely on the run game, as we've said in past episodes. So when you lose a blocker like him, that can really affect your offense as a whole because that's one less spot that you can like rely on a big gap there. Because Marcus Cannon, he's a pretty effective blocker from what I remember. So do you guys think the Patriots are going to be taking a big step back on – do you think I think they'll be taking a step back on that category as well? Well, um, they also need to rely on their defense as well as the running. So without two of our better defenders, you know, it's a disadvantage there. But going back to the run game, you know um, – I think blocking is like obviously the important part of running and it's going to be harder to replace that with cannon. Yeah. And who is our, yeah, the Patriots problem is that they don't have a, our backup at the moment is Marshall Newhouse. Yes, exactly. He had to play when cannon was injured. Not, not a good look at the Patriots. I think that had cannon come back this season, he would have been able to help Sony Michelle get back to full full force to David Andrews back on the line. But I think that it's going to be another down season for Michelle, and the Patriots running game is going to be truly stifled this year with the loss of Cannon the entire season. Well, this is a story no. for another time, but Sony Michelle, he's actually having troubles with his foot. He recently had foot surgery this offseason, and he's having trouble coming back from that, it sounds like. But I think you're definitely right. This went from a pretty good offensive line, right? Like the offensive line two years ago. I think that's top-tier offensive line for the Patriots. But um, now that they lose someone like Cannon and they put in someone like Marshall Newhouse, who um, I honestly don't remember too much from last year. I think he played a lot of tackle last year. I remember him filling in. I remember him filling in on the offensive tackle a lot. But uh, now that he, now you lost someone like Cannon and subbed in someone like Newhouse, who was a second, third-tier offensive tackle, um, I think that's going to be taking a big step from their run game because no matter how – because let's be honest, Sonny Michel, he can't create his own holes. He needs a space to run. He's more of a power back. You give him a hole to run through and he's just going to power through there. He's not someone like a young Le'Veon Bell who can create space and wait or someone like Dalvin Cook. He just needs to run through the hole, you know, and if they can't create those holes, it's going to be a problem. Now, does all of this change our – our predictions for their standings. Actually, this is interesting. I saw the Patriots. This is like Bleacher Report, but 
the Patriots, they're still the favorites to win the AFC East. That's just a standing thing. But we did our standings a while ago. Maybe season two of the podcast, we'll do another pair of standings when the NFL started again. But I don't think we need to change them yet. Okay. Okay. But do we think they're going to go up or down in the standings? I mean, down, right? Because they've lost some defensive players and offensive players. Yeah, I mean the pa- the, same. the Patriots linebackers were already they were already taking big hits from last year when they lost Jamie Collins and um, Kyle Vinoy, but I think that this is just gonna only gonna hurt them more, and that's gonna that's gonna hurt them in the and that's gonna hurt their run defense as well. So let's move on to our we don't have games this week actually. Alex and Ben they had a big text chain. There was a debate that we have. Okay, I will be the one um, moderating this debate. And so this debate is about, does Giannis need to improve his shooting to become one of the greatest of all time? Is that correct, guys? Is that what it's about? It is. Okay. Who would like to give that opening statement first? Alex. Alex, give your opening statement. And Ben, there's there's no interrupting Ben. All right, you get your chance to talk after. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Alex. All right, so I personally believe Giannis is not making any GOAT conversation ever, even if he learned to shoot. It's not happening. I think that he he's a great player. He's an MVP caliber guy, but I don't think he really has the legs to win a championship by himself. Very James Harden-esque. Very Charles Barkley. I think that he's going to go down as a top 15 player in history, but he's never going to be in the GOAT combo. And I think that even if he develops a shooting stroke, which he won't, he's just he's still not going to be that great. So he's not going down as a top five or ten player all time. Ben, give us your opening but, statement. But, like, I I think that even if he won't ever be a GOAT, it still wouldn't to get a little better at you know shooting from outside and even if he only got better by like you know five percent so going from maybe 20 percent to 25 or or 20 to 27 he would still be able to get just a few more points a game and it would make teams more hesitant hesitant to leave him open and that might help him find open teammates if the defense is just uh, is just a little closer to him. So I think it would just benefit the team overall, even if you got a little better. Okay, this is between you and Alex. So I don't want to like, I mean, Ben and Alex, so I don't want to get into this debate too much. Okay. But I'm with, I'm with Ben here. I think that if Giannis can improve his shooting, because you look at a guy, um, that's a bad example, never mind. But um. If you, he can improve his shooting and show that he can shoot. I mean, the NBA nowadays, it's based a lot on three-pointers. And you have a player like Giannis, who's kind of a rare exception, that he really can't shoot threes at all, except for occasionally. But um, if he can develop a three-point shot, that's going to make him a lot more versatile. You know, he's not just going to have to drive. He's not going to be the one-trick pony that only drives to the basket and dunks it every time. He can open up. He has a lot more options. And Ben's right, even if he improves it a little bit, and let's say his point goes from like a D to a C, right? Teams are going to be like, oh, he has, he's gotten much better at three-point shooting. We can't leave him as open as we used to, you know? But Ben and Alex, you can, can keep debating. Well, 
Ben had argued earlier that the NBA ruined his three-point shot. And I think that's completely outlandish. Giannis came from Greece, a country not well-renowned for their shooters, mind you. And he came into the league, he shot uh, 34.7%, which is a pretty good clip, on only 118 attempts. Giannis, last year, took 271 attempts. That's over twice the amount he took his rookie year. And he shot 30.6%. I think that the, the drop-off in Giannis isn't from the NBA ruining his three-point stroke. It's from him adding height, length, and muscle. And when you shoot more, you'll slump more. It's just it's bound to happen. So I think with more shots, he's more likely to miss, meaning that it makes it harder for Giannis to shoot. Um, you're right that if you it's harder to make 90 out of 100 shots than 9 out of 10. But my point is, if you search up pictures of him shooting in his rookie year, his shot was a lot smoother, and now it's just become a weird, slow, like, it just doesn't work. And it's not pretty to watch. He, like, kind of bends his hands and his knees in a weird way, and it just, it just, I think he changed it a little too much. Obviously, you can't shoot the same way, but I think he could have did a better job of finding an easier form that would just be easier. Right? Ben, but as I said, Giannis added a little bit of height. His wingspan grew a little bit, and he added a lot of muscle, which adds a lot of strength to your shot. Right? Muscle adds strength. So I think that he his coaching is not to blame for a shot. It's he just wanted to become a better player and said, I'm 6'11". If I just get jacked, I'll destroy everyone in this league. I can drive the basket every time. They can't stop me. And I think that's that's what he said. And he, he doesn't really care about being the best three-point shooter in the league because he doesn't need to be. It's yeah. not necessary for him to impose his greatness by three-point three shooting. I just feel like the problem is that he's kind of one-dimensional. All he can really do is just try and drive five players and then if someone else is open he's very strong so he can easily kick it out to them but players don't have to worry about him shooting because he's going to miss so they can kind of just like form a wall similar to what the Celtics did last year in game one and it's and he's easier to stop if everyone is just you know crowding toward the paint and I think he's lucky that he's surrounded by good shooters because if he wasn't he would just not be that good. Okay, Alex. Ben, when you have a player player who cannot shoot well, like Giannis can't, you surround him with good shooters, like you said. And so Giannis doesn't need to develop a three-point shot because if you have guys like Kyle Korver, George Hill, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe on the perimeter, and you let Giannis drive the ball, they're, those defenders are going to go cover the three-pointer because you know what? Threes are worth more than twos. So Giannis is very easy route to the bucket. And he only gets stopped when he faces like an insanely good defender like LeBron, like Kawhi, like Bam Adebayo, when he faces elite defenders. The rest of the league has no chance against his drives. Okay. Let, okay. If we want, if Giannis wants to be, I have a question for Alex here. Let's just keep the debate going. So, Alex, um, mm-hmm. if Giannis in his later years, when he can't drive to the basket like he used to and just truck over like 15 people, and they find ways to stop him. 
do you think it would help Giannis then to have a three-point shot that he can rely on? Because if you surround him with great three-point shooters and Giannis can't drive to the basket like he used to, he loses a lot of value then, don't you think? So, Ben, or Travis, Giannis isn't old. He's still a young player. I mean, when he and gets older. That's... That, when he's like 35? If he can't, LeBron if... is still driving to the basket dominantly. He has like the stupidest pull-up game ever. He like dribbles the ball, looks down at it, and then pulls his shot up and someone makes it. It's like LeBron wasn't that great of a three-point shooter when he was young. I, I think he'd honestly be on Giannis' level. And yeah, sure, if he develops a three-point shot, he could become great. But I don't, I don't, I just, I don't see it being that much of an advantage for Giannis. That it's worth his time to develop a three-point jumper. All right, my question to Ben is, Ben, do you think that Giannis is going to be able to? So we've seen from you know all great players that they eventually slow down. You know, Vince Carter can't dunk like he used to during his prime. You know, Giannis is gonna slow down. He won't always be surrounded by great shooters like Kyle Korver. So that time is going to come, and I think it would be better if he just slowly started working on his outside outside shot now. So when the time comes, he isn't scrambling to get better and forcing up shots just because he can't drive like he used to. Right, ben. So when you have a generational talent like Giannis, you build around him. You're not going to say, oh, yeah, let's go draft another finishing forward. No, you, you get four three-point shooters, you throw them out there, and say, Giannis, go to the bucket. If they double, there's a guy open somewhere, and he'll get on the ball. So he's never going to have a problem with having no three-point shooters around him. That's never going to happen. And I think what you said about Vince Carter and not being able to dunk, that wasn't his only aspect of his game, and he still had a 40-inch vertical at age 42. I know. So, But I – and Ben, I think the gap between Giannis being five years older and Vince Carter being forty-two is is a little little too big to comprehend. Well, but Giannis is going to get older, and if the Bucks aren't winning, I'm not saying that that they aren't going to win. But what if they win a championship in two years, and then things just you know don't work out? He's he wants a championship, so. What if he leaves and then the next team can't surround him with great shooters? You know, there's there's no guarantee that he's going to be on the Bucks forever. So I think it's just a good idea that he, you know, gets a little bit better at shooting in case driving isn't always going to work for him. Ben, I think the Bucks are going to do whatever it takes to retain Giannis. I know. This is next few years. They'll say, listen. We'll go way over the cap if you want a championship for us, especially the Bucks. They'll be like, like, screw it. You know, we're surrounding you with the best shooters this week and buy. So I think he's, but, he's never going to have a problem with not having enough shooting. And if he decides to leave, he's going to a team where there's a lot of shooters and there's not a primary ball handler. He's going to go somewhere he's, where he's a good fit, not where he's going to win early, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to understand that. What, Travis? I'll just wrap up the debate real quick. We need the biggest stats that you have. This is going to decide it. Ben. What? Do you have anything else to say about the debate? Oh, yeah. Um, um, even if Giannis has, you know, great shooters and 
And and even though they're a great team and he has no problem doing what he's doing, even, even, well, I, I glitched, sorry. Um, even if he gets just a little bit better, they're going to be that much better of a team. So their chances of succeeding is going to go up and he'll be happier then and it'll just be better for Milwaukee overall. And I also feel like while he is, or while he might be trying to improve his three-point shooting, he could also work on his free throws, which need a lot of work uh, during a game. Um, I saw him airball two free throws in a row. You know, that's just not acceptable. And I think even if he just improved one of those two categories, he'd just be that much better. And then teams would be more resistant to foul him, knowing that maybe he can make shots. Okay, I think that wraps up our debate. I guess you guys can comment what you think about this debate and what your opinion is. But now we're going to do our game picks for the week. We're not going to do every single game until the next time we go on. So I'm going to go through the list right here, and I'm going to give you guys some big games. Um, I'm going to give you guys some big games for this week, and you guys are going to tell me who you think is going to win. So first we have Lakers Clippers. I think the Laker. I mean, I think the Clippers are going to win that. Ben and Alex. Uh, um, Alex, go ahead. I'm taking uh, Lakers here. I I'd rather the Clippers win because I hate the Lakers with a burning passion because I'm a diehard Boston sports fan. But it, you're not going to beat LeBron when he's coming off what, three months of rest, right? He's going to be absolutely deadly. He's coming out of the chip on his shoulder. League, league is screwed. It's it for me, honestly. Lakers easily. Ben, how yeah. good Kawhi PG look? I, LeBron. Um, I just think the Lakers. It's like they're almost due for. Um, another ring, and they're they are going to have a hard time against the the Bucks, but that's in that's you know far down the road, and I think going against the um, Clippers, they have a lot more like playoff experience, um, and I understand that you know Kawhi won the finals and stuff, but the Lakers just. I don't know. I, I just feel like they have a better team, even though with Alex, I would rather the Clippers win. I just think the Lakers are going to take this one, but that doesn't mean that they're going to win, you know, the series against the Clippers if they play them again. But I just think that they're ready and they're going to take game one. Okay, let's move on well, to the next game. Yeah. Celtics-Bucks. I have the Bucks winning that one. I think the Celtics are going to get up to a slow start. I guess a team like the Bucks, um, I guess... I don't know if Russ really plays a factor here. I mean, the Celtics, I guess they could use that as an excuse because they haven't played their starters in much of the off in much of the preseason games. But I think the Bucks are going to come out strong here. Yeah. Alex? Um well, uh, yeah. I mean, if Giannis learned to shoot, no, I'm kidding. Um I think that you know, it's it's going to be a close game. Depends which Jason Tatum we get. Are we going to get Jason Tatum with curly hair going like three for ten in the field, or are we going to get Mar- February Jason Tatum, Which where he absolutely right? destroyed people and scored thirty points a game? I think this game's completely around on Tatum, but I'm taking the Bucks here. I like ten. Well, 
something else that we have to think about is that in this restart, the players that are being affected the most are the shooters because they haven't been shooting in-game for a while. So I don't know what this means, you know, for the Celtics and the Bucks, but the Bucks do rely on, on shooting. So if they can't make their shots when Giannis kicks it out, then the Celtics are going to win. But if the, but the, the Bucks have great shooters and maybe rust isn't a thing for them. So if, if they're just making their threes when they get them, then I think the Bucks are sadly going to win. Okay, let's move on to Saturday here. One of the biggest games from that week are Lakers-Raptors. Who do you think is going to take that game? Uh, I'm taking the Lakers here again. I think the Raptors are just too reliant on team chemistry to win. And I think that, you know, LeBron, he owns Toronto. They call it LeBronto for a reason. He went in there, won two back-to-back playoff series, and always plays well against them. I'm taking LeBron. Yeah. I'm taking Lakers and, as well. Yeah. Um, and, and even though even though the Raptors did well without Kawhi, I don't think they can win against really good teams just because they don't have that superstar to take them to the next level. So I'm going with Lakers. Yeah, I agree. They don't really have a – they have a couple of good players such as Siakam and Lowry, yeah. but they don't have that superstar like the Lakers do, and they have a they have a two-headed superstar in LeBron and Anthony Davis. Sunday, the biggest game that day, I'd say it'd have to be the Bucks and the Rockets. The Rockets, they have two good guards on their team in Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And the Bucks have Giannis, who's been carrying them all year. I'm gonna take the Bucks this game, just because I think the Buck, I think Giannis is gonna do good in the playoffs this year. I think I have the Bucks. I believe I said last episode or a couple episodes ago that the Bucks were gonna win the championship. So I think that the Bucks can beat a Rockets, who are I think the Rockets could be a higher seed. I don't know if I'm I'm kind of losing confidence in the Rockets um, now that they're playing teams like the Bucks. But what do you guys think? Like. And the Rockets are the shortest team in the league. And against uh, the two Lopez brothers and Giannis, they just can't compete with all the height. And it's going to be easy for Giannis to do his spins and his zero steps to just get in and dunk it, you know, with the short guys. I'm, I'm taking the Rockets. I'm, I'm not surprised you guys. But a three-pointer is worth more than a two. You can get two three-point buckets for the same, you know, output as, or sorry, two threes for three twos. So I think that, but and the Rockets they play ISO ball, right? Harden Westbrook they take the ball, one of them ISOs. That's how it goes every game. So I think that coming off a quarantine like this, when team chemistry and morale is down, this is the best opportunity for ISO ball, and especially because you're in these intense playoff game scenarios, almost. I think it's it's the perfect time for Russ and um, Harden to just take over. But yeah, like, um, I guess if Harden goes off and Westbrook has like twenty five of his own, then they're gonna win. But if Harden is like missing and Westbrook is taking wild shots and not making them, then that's when they're gonna lose. 
Okay, let's go to Monday now. I think the most interesting game from Monday is going to be the Raptors and the Heat. They're pretty close to each other in the standings. I don't know if the Heat are going to quite catch up to the Raptors in the eight games. But that should be an interesting game. What do you guys think? Alex, I know you like the Heat. Do you think the Heat are going to win? Uh, Yeah, I'm a big Heat guy. I'm, I could see them, honestly, beating the Raptors. I don't know. I think Kyle Lowry's, Lowry's heart really comes into play here. I think if he just plays in the part of intensity, they can win almost any game they play, yeah. except for the one against the Lakers. So I think they're taking charges in the All Star game. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, ben. Yeah, yeah. Um, for this one, I think um, the Raptors have a little more talent. The Heat do have. Um, some decent shooters. They have Butler and they have Bam. But I think the Raptors just have more firepower overall. And I think they're just going to be too much to handle for the Heat. Yes, I think that the Heat and the Raptors, they're kind of the same thing. Jimmy Butler, I wouldn't consider him a superstar. He's obviously the leader of that. He's obviously the leader of that team. I wouldn't consider him the superstar, such as LeBron or Anthony Davis that a lot of these teams have. But I think they're both kind of in the same situation. Here they don't have a real superstar who can average thirty, who can get thirty points per game any, on any given night. But I think that the Raptors they just have more of the players that are able to put up so like twenty points. And and the Heat they have only a couple players that can do that. Well, the Raptors have maybe a bit more than them. So I think that will bring them over the edge. Okay, let's move on to Tuesday here. I have to say the Celtics and the Heat would be a pretty interesting game. They're right next to each other in the standings. Who are you taking? For me, it's hometown bias, Celtics all the way. Ben? Yeah. Um, I don't think that the um, Celtics have like a true defined superstar yet. Um, Tatum, Tatum has been playing, with, playing like one, though, and Kemba is a great player guard he started in the all-star game you know he's great so and i think if they combine that with players like jaylen brown who has been great in the scrimmages um i I saw him he's been great and i think they can just put the pieces together to just get past the heat because the heat don't have as much weapons i'm taking celtics here as well but when you said the celtics don't have a defined superstar you're not wrong by saying that, but it's almost like they do because they have so many people on their team that are I would consider like like almost stars, you know. And any one of those people could put up thirty points a night. So it seems like every every night that they play, there's a new guy who's scoring a lot of points. And lately, it's been Jason Tatum, but it's almost like they have a superstar because they have so many people that are able to play like one on any given day. But mo- but a lot of the times they just don't. Okay, let's move on. That they don't need a superstar and anybody can play well so it's so it's like that they don't need a superstar to put up big numbers every game because there's so many people who can just go off all right let's move on to wednesday i have thunders thunder lakers what do you guys think um alex lakers no question obviously easy choice yeah, that was that was uh, not a very exciting yeah. day on Wednesday. Like the next no. closest uh, game would probably be yeah. I don't even know. 
but I'm also going to take Lakers. It's a pretty easy one. Let's move on to the next day. So, huh, let's see. I think that the most interesting one today would have to be, I mean, on Thursday would have to be Heat. Yeah, I'm going to take, uh, I'm very high on the Heat, so Heat over Bucks there. I'm going to say Bucks over Heat just because the Bucks have that superstar that they need to get over the Heat that the Heat really don't, if you're not including Jimmy Butler, I think is sometimes plays at a very high level, but not always. Ben? Yeah, um, I know it's easy to pick the better team, but the Buck, the Heat have done well against the Bucks. They beat them pretty bad um, a few months ago. So I think it's possible that they're just going to upset the Bucks and take another win. Okay, that wraps up. And by Friday, we'll already our podcast will already have been out, so we won't know. But um, that wraps up our podcast for today. I'd also like to mention. The Red Sox pitching sucks. We'll probably have more in for more on that for you next Thursday. I mean next Friday when I release our next podcast. But thanks for listening to Sideline Sports. Uh, good, uh, Alex. The Buccaneers have signed Lashawn McCoy to a one-year deal. Help Brady on the backfield. Oh yeah, that happened. There's yet another veteran on that team. I only have in a couple minutes ago. I guess. I guess they needed a good running back on that team. So, anyways, thank you for listening to Sideline Sports and goodbye.